time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Monday edition of the show. Happy Super Bowl week, everybody. Got a lot to do over the next 60 minutes. My man Matt Norlander, CBSSports.com college basketball insider, will drop by for his first visit of the season. Sam Yarnell in Las Vegas. He is covering all the festivities there for us. But we start things out in the NFL. Uh, Jason Cole has covered a zillion Super Bowls, and that's uh, that might be shortchanging him on the number of Super Bowls he's actually covered. Uh, Jason, I mean, look, you, you've you've been through this before. Try and give me a sense for for what it's like for some of these 49er players that have never been through this before. Well, let's just say this. Um, it's the most intense party that you're ever going to have, celebration leading up to a week. And by the way, they decided to do it in Las Vegas this, this year. <laughs> <laughs> So take everything that ever happens in like Miami or New Orleans and just multiply it by the zillion Super Bowls that I've covered and probably another zillion on top of that. I mean, this is going to be a crazy week for a lot of young guys who are living a dream. Um, it's going to be a crazy week for a lot of middle-aged guys who are living a dream. It's going to be a crazy week. I, like I was just in with Vegas over the weekend, so you two at the Spear – I was walking through the Bellagio on Friday night and then walking through Caesar's palace and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is on an off week. <laughs> right. This is an off, this is an off week. Right. So you just sit there and go, now we're going to put like another hundred thousand people here in this really compressed area. It's not like other Super Bowls where they're spread out. Like in San Francisco, you get some people in San Jose, some in San Francisco, blah, blah, blah. Miami, they've divided up between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Here, it's one concentrated, like, three-mile area of a city. By the way, how was you 2 at the Sphere? Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> it's it, this, Look, the performance itself was, I would say, very good to excellent. Not great, right? You know, and they're just, they're getting older and that just happens. It's like watching Springsteen now, you know, you just, it's, it's a little older. It's not as energetic as it was once was, but Bono still connects and all that other. So you're sitting like this experience, if it was just the music would be very good. When you put the visuals on top of it, I've never experienced everything visually, anything close to what wow. the sphere is. I can't even explain it. Yeah, they showed a shot last night from the Grammys because Bono was giving out an award, and uh, which I I don't know. Were you there last night or were you there the night before? I was there on Friday. Night. Okay, Friday, Friday night. Yeah, because I know they're doing yeah. a res. I know they're doing a residency there. Well, they showed it last night, and and even in video, it couldn't do it justice. So to, to what? It well, no, because you can't you can't look straight up and right. see the visuals that start over the top of your head. And then envelop the whole thing. Like, take an IMAX theater and just multiply it times a thousand. Like IMAX right? on like steroids. The, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's it's, incre it's incredible. NFL insider uh, Jason Cole is with us. He's also a Hall of Fame uh, selector. He's also an author of many books. I have many leather-bound books. Uh, his latest is Shut Up, Your Kid Is Not That Great, uh, mm -hmm. with a forward uh, or an introduction from Tom Brady Sr. Um Look, when you break down this match, I'll just be honest. I I'll, I won't even save it for the end of the week. I love Kansas City. Um, I think they're I think they win this game. Uh, everything I've seen in the postseason, nothing has sort of dissuaded me from that. What do you see when you break down this matchup? 
think it's a great matchup, and I tend to agree with you, with the exception of, look, they've got the best quarterback in the game, and the best quarterback makes you the favorite in almost any situation, right? So you start with that. The question is whether Kyle Shanahan will avoid the trap that Baltimore fell into of not willing to pound the running game to take advantage of what Kansas City gives you defensively. Now, Buffalo took advantage of that in the previous game, right? They ran the ball very effectively in that game. And they came within probably one or two plays of winning that game. So the Buffalo game, if you go back to that, shows you that if you're patient with Kansas City, you can score. You can get there. The more important part to me is, like the San Francisco defensive line has been just average until the second half of the game against Detroit. When they finally said, okay, we get paid all this money, you know, Hargrave and, and, you know, Bosa and Armstead are like, you know, we paid you dudes. And, you know, Chase Young, like, I want to get paid, right? Like, I want to get a big contract from somebody. Well, you better play to it. When you get paid, you got to perform. And those guys had not been performing. They were terrible against Green Bay. They were terrible in the first half against Detroit. They were just so-so throughout most of the season. But in the second half against Detroit, they showed up. They showed up in a big way. And if they can do some of that against Kansas City, then it's a chance. Yeah, my view is if they don't play, if they if they can't play a complete game, though, if they only play a half of football, it's not going to be enough. They, I mean, and they haven't played a complete football game in this postseason yet. Correct. And, and they've gotten by on a couple of nail biters, you know, a couple of games against teams that they should have dusted. Now this, now they're rising to a challenge. Like when you say Kansas city, not and instead of saying green Bay or Detroit, when you say Kansas city and Patrick Mahomes to Nick Bosa or Armstead or Hargrave or chase young, it's like, well, I better, you know, like all of a sudden, you start to stand up on your, your, your toes a little bit and go, I better be great. And they better be great. That's, that's period. I mean, we talk, we haven't talked about Brock Purdy who's just young and you'll know, we'll see what it is. And if he has to throw against Spagnola a lot, that's going to be tough for him and all those kinds of things. We've talked about the running game, but between the patience of Shanahan willingness to run the ball and take advantage of what Kansas city is willing to give you on offense combined with the San Francisco defensive line has to play great, right? Those two things are more important to me than any discussion about Purdy and getting in down that that rabbit hole of you know elite versus game manager or whatever the hell you want to talk about with Brock Purdy. Chatting with Jason Cole, he does a terrific job on the NFL. Uh, he is a Hall of Fame selector. He's also the author of this new book. Well, not so new, but kind of newish. Uh, Shut up, your kid is not that great. It has an introduction from Tom Brady Sr. We're going to continue the conversation coming up here in just a couple of minutes. I have a few things to ask Jason not related uh, to the Super Bowl. It's Roger Goodell's Commissioner Press Conference Day, <laughs> which might have been the last time I saw Jason Cole in person. Long time ago. Might have been. Might have been. Which one, which one was that? Was that in Phoenix. Minnesota? Phoenix. I think it was Phoenix. Okay. Yeah, I think it was Phoenix. Uh, we'll come back and ask him about that and a whole bunch more. Sports Wrap continues on this Monday. It's Super Bowl week.
Over 13 million Americans were affected by identity theft in 2022, and the threats go way beyond just credit card fraud. Today's identity thieves can use your information in ways that are easy to miss by just monitoring accounts and credit, like opening loans, transferring home titles, even committing crimes. Someone got my social security number, made a driver's license, and it was used for criminal activity. You can do so much with a social security number that I didn't know could happen. They drained my bank account. It was terrifying. You're even more vulnerable than you realize. Your information is exposed through online shopping, banking, even corporate data breaches. No wonder there's a new victim of identity theft every three seconds. Only LifeLock alerts you to the widest volume of threats all in one place, like someone trying to use your social security number, open a new loan in your name, or even commit a crime in your name. There was a big yes button and there was a big no button. I clicked, that's not me, and LifeLock took it from there. If you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will be assigned to your case and work to fix the issue on your behalf. If something happens, you have somebody fighting for you. All LifeLock members are backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package, including reimbursement for stolen funds, personal expenses, and coverage for lawyers and experts up to $1 million. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. With LifeLock, it's easy to help protect yourself. I will be with LifeLock forever. Join the millions of people already protected by LifeLock. And for a limited time, save 25% on your first year with promo code 25TV. All plans include a 60-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-710-7531 or visit lifelock.com slash 25TV to save 25% on your first year of identity theft protection. Enroll now. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Sports Wrap continues on this Monday with Jason Cole, NFL insider, a Hall of Fame selector, hanging out with us. Um, all right, are we making too much of Cliff Kingsbury becoming the offensive coordinator in Washington with the Commanders? I've seen various shows saying, oh, you know, they have the number two pick. They're going to move up to one, get Caleb Williams. Of course, that requires the Bears to want to part ways with number one. How long will this take to play out if the Bears are going to give up number one? Do I mean, I would assume they could just run it all the way to the finish line and extract as much as they want from the commanders aside from that second pick if they were to, to give up the number one pick. How do you see this playing out? Well, there's a couple of things that, that work against the Bears making a big trade with one of the teams that's way down low is that this is a deep year for quarterbacks in the first round. So you have... Not only Caleb Williams, you have May, you have um, the kid from LSU, you have Bo Nix, you have McCarthy from Michigan, and depending on the health concerns, Penix. Michael Penix. Yeah. yeah, Michael Penix to me, like when I watched him in, even in the championship game, I was like, this guy's an NFL caliber quarterback. Like, the, the you know, the problem is that he may have, you know, 
CFL caliber knees. So um, <laughs> you just you just don't know. And, you know, you hope the kid can play a long time, but you have to you have to do the doctor examinations to to make that determination. But you know, so you can sit back if you're Atlanta at number six, or you know, you got choices. You know, if you've got if you're a team that's at number ten, you got some choices. Now, Caleb Williams is considered, you know, the was the cheat code for quarterbacks, and he's yep. just amazing. He's also small, and he's also a little bit of a prima donna, and all those other things. So you don't know how that's going to play out, and I know that they pushed that back on Colin Coward, saying that he doesn't want to play for Chicago. But I always ask this: What quarterback ever does want to play for Chicago? <laughs> I mean, think about it. This think about this. That family has not, and that family and that team, the team which has been run by the same family for over a hundred years, has not developed a quarterback since Sid Luckman. <laughs> the nineteen forties. It's been eighty years since they developed a quarterback who they picked and said, "This is going to be our guy for." 10, 12 years and is going to lead us to greatness. Now, McMahon had some moments. I thought, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, McMahon. Yeah, they've had some guys who've had moments, but they haven't had a guy who's a franchise quarterback in forever. I don't know that they know how to do this. And their, their coaching staff is under pressure. So if I'm Caleb Williams and I got a chance to go to the commanders and look at a guy like Magic Johnson who understands building organizations and winning and – play for Dan Quinn, who's an established guy, and then play for Kingsbury, who knows how to run an offense that fits for me. I might be pushing for that. And then the question becomes, it's a stare down between the commanders and the bears for, okay, how much, how much do you exactly want? Because you don't want to move out of position to take the quarterback that you want, even if you have more choices. Um, you've been to these Roger Goodell Super Bowl week press conferences, the state of the league. Um, I've been, I've been to a couple. Give me, give, if you were there today and you've been to plenty of them, you don't need to go on it anymore, but you've been to plenty of them. If you were there today, what would be the one question you'd either want to ask or hear be asked of the commissioner? Um, you've got to ask what, how do you monitor the influence of gambling on your game. All right. And that's a wide ranging question, not just cheating and officiating and all these other things that go into it. Right. But people aren't cheering for teams anymore. They're cheering for outcomes. And they always have, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that gambling hasn't existed, sure. but when you normalize it, it changes how you view it. It's like, like I played fancy fancy baseball, I should say as an avid fantasy baseball player for 40 years, there are times when I catch myself going, am I cheering for individual players or do I cheer for the Los Angeles Dodgers who I grew up with as a fan of, you know, is that still what I'm, I'm trying to do? And you have to ask that question. Is that what is happening to your league? Are you, do, do you serve as just a platform for, for bets or are you getting people to passionately follow your game because they love the game. Yeah, I get you. I, I think that's a I think that's a great question. And it does all encompass sort of the officiating because people are starting to question outcomes. 
keyword, outcomes of games, you know, what, what you were just talking about, outcomes, you know, and, and, and trust in what they're seeing to be real. And we live in a world, we live in a world, we live in a world where facts are constantly being undermined. So, so it's almost, it, it feels like this entire sort of thing is enveloped in, how do you know what you're watching is real? You know, the whole thing with scripted, you know, the NFL is scripted, which is silly. And people talking about the colors of the logos in the Super Bowl, like people getting it down to that sort of level. If I know, but the, but the credibility of everything seems to be undermined by anybody who could find any sort of way in to undermine it. And sports betting is a part of that, like it or not. Right. Well, I mean, it's an integrity of the game issue. And integrity is an all-encompassing statement, okay? It is, it, it is, you know, do I trust what I'm watching? Do I believe in what I'm watching? Because if I don't believe in it, I'm probably not going to really be in love with it. I have to, I have to trust what I'm watching do to you, continue to watch. Do you think the concussion stuff comes up given the depositions that came out recently and some of the things that Goodell was found to have said? Yeah, I think there's going to be some questions about it. I don't think that most people are paying attention to it. I don't, look, I, I think this is a week to celebrate the game. This is people who talk about concussions. It's been talked at, on about ad nauseum, right? The issue has been talked about ad nauseum. And and here is my thing: as long as it's a simple, it's a simple thing. As long as the players are aware of the dangers of the game, then they have a choice to make on their own, right? And if players want to take that and then they want to sue because they weren't given the proper information, that's fine. But then you have to live with the results of a league that has to protect itself against those lawsuits. And that's just how this is run. It's like any there's it's like the coal mining industry. If you don't if you don't take proper protections, your workers are going to sue you. And, you know, and, and rightfully so. And people know the score. I've said this all along now. I mean, NFL players know the score. They've seen the movies. They've seen the documentaries. I'm sure they've been told by countless people. They they know what the score is by now. They've seen their te- they've seen their teammates. Yes, Jason Cole hanging out with us on the show. We're back with Matt Norlander, college football insider from CBS Sports. Sports Wrap continues all over the country on this Monday edition of the show. Thanks to Jason Cole for dropping by, Hall of Fame selector, NFL insider. Sam Yarnell will swing by from Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. Uh, Thrilled to bring in this guy, Matt Norlander, senior CBS college basketball insider uh, from my old stomping grounds in Connecticut, which is, I mean, let's be honest, the belly of the beast in college football, uh, college basketball yet again. I mean, man, uh, the Yukon Huskies right now um, look pretty close to unstoppable. We'll get to them coming up in a couple of minutes, but I want to touch on a, a great weekend of college basketball, a bunch of top 10 matchups. I was sitting in a, a sports clips getting ready to get my hair cut watching um gosh who was i watching it was kansas and houston Houston. yeah it was kansas and houston and uh an impressive performance from the jayhawks this weekend of the of the top 10 matchups we saw this weekend which one stood out to you well we had four of them uh jason it's great to 
be with you, and it's uh, wonderful to see you after all these years. Yeah, we it was a record. There had never before in the history of college basketball been four top ten matchups in the regular season. We obviously get this once we get to March and postseason, but we never had four top tens in one season in one weekend in a regular season. And the one that stood out the most to me was Tennessee winning at Kentucky and dropping 103 points, uh, which was the most points Tennessee had scored in a road game in 31 years and was the first time in 30 years that Kentucky had allowed back-to-back games of 90-plus points. Uh, I wrote recently for CBSSports.com about Kentucky and why its defense uh, is such an issue that even though it's it's been a fun team and it's taken some losses here as of late, um, there was a lot of buzz about Calipari kind of being back and this Kentucky team being a national title contender. I had written, actually, if you look at the defense, uh, statistically it shows it has no shot at winning a national championship and a long shot to make a <laughs> Final Four. I still believe Kentucky can turn it around, but for to let a good Tennessee team in, like a top five Tennessee team in, come into your building, drop 103, I thought that was problematic. So that's the one that stood out the most to me. The other three top 10 matchups was Purdue at Wisconsin. That was the most competitive game on CBS on Sunday. Uh, Kansas just rolling Houston in a way that a lot of people didn't see. And then, of course, Duke at North Carolina, the highest profile one. Carolina getting the home win against Duke. Uh, Reaffirmed its, its title hopes. And this is a big year for the Tar Heels, Jason, because last season... They didn't even make the tournament after being ranked number one in the preseason. That had never happened before in college history. And now we look up and UNC is a top five team with a top five defense. And uh, and yes, sitting on top of the ACC with the two game lead. So a lot to take from the weekend. But to me, the one that stood out the most, I just didn't think Kentucky would lay an egg the way that it did at Rupp Arena against a Tennessee team that uh, is, is good. I'm not sure if it's great and certainly look great on Saturday. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I watch a lot more NBA than I do college basketball. Not, not for any one reason or another. As we get later. Later in the season, obviously, I tune more into the into the college basketball. In the NBA, the theme over the last few years is much less defense, a lot more offense. Are you seeing that same trend in college basketball far and wide when you look at the best teams, or is it still the teams that can D up? Can coaches still get collegiate players to D up in a way that's just harder to do in the NBA? All right, I'll try and uh, package this into uh, into something good for for a TV show sure. here. I think it's a pretty expansive question that we could spend 30 minutes on that we don't have time to talk about. Uh, overall, yes, college coaches can absolutely get their players be more willing and consistent to play defense, be engaged with it. That's still true at the college level. Um, and I get what you're saying about the NBA uh, and, and, the, and the style of play and why offense is winning out. Offense is also statistically, if we're going big picture, uh, it is it is shown over the past decade that offense is winning championships more than defense is winning championships. That is a, a tired cliche across sports. And some college fans seem to believe that, uh, that it's still the key to winning it all. Uh, that has not been the case. If you look at the teams that have actually won the national championship over the past 10 years, uh, the top five offenses, how they fared in the NCAA tournament versus the top five defenses. It's the teams that are more offensive leaning that, that, you know, there are exceptions here and there, but the pattern shows that offense is winning out. But one reason why I love, college basketball so much, Jason, is that different styles make for different fights and you have, uh, it's not just three or four different kinds of way of playing. Uh, even though you've got, you know, high ball screen offense, which is kind of taking over. It's obviously very popular at the NBA level and that's filtrated down into college a lot. You still have 17 different philosophies among the top 60 teams in the sport in terms of how coaches run their schemes. And I love the fact that you can have different ways that you might need to be able to play different ways in order to have a long successful season across the board there. And it's not quite as monotonous as the way that NBA teams play. 
That is a terrific answer to a very challenging question, Matt. Uh, talking about Matt Norland, who does a great job with CBS Sports on uh, all things college basketball. I don't know what your expectations were coming out of the Mike Krzyzewski era. I didn't know what to expect. How much has, um, you know, what they've been able to do post-Shashevsky impressed you, and how much has sort of the, the, the ways of that program changed, if at all? Okay. Um, Duke is about, so year 200, John Shire right now. Yep. Uh, and actually, before I answer it in full, let me just say this. Duke has a player, Cooper Flag, coming to play with them next season. He will be the most famous college basketball player since Zion Williamson. Bronny James has been plenty... Uh, famous, but he's not an impact player. So let's at least put that caveat to the side. Uh, and Cooper flag is one of the three or four most famous players to come out of high school ball in the past 15 years. He's going to play at Duke next season. That'll be John Shire's third season. And a lot of the Shire tenure and how they're doing will be evaluated on if they can be a top five team and make the final four with Cooper flag. So let's just put that to the side, huge year three coming, but to this point, a year and a half into his tenure, I think he's about done what I expected last season, first season takeover for coach K. What happens? Duke wins the ACC. It gets a five seed. It wins one tournament game. It doesn't lose a game at home. Overall, he does a pretty good job with a little bit of a hodgepodge roster. Uh, certainly didn't uh, fall short of expectations. Also didn't exceed him. Now, coming into this season, Duke was a preseason top three team. I didn't buy that from the get-go. I just didn't think with the other teams that were in that top five conversation that Duke made sense as a top five team. I just sold on them a little bit. I thought there was a little bit of groupthink among uh, us media folk after a long, long off season, I, I, I tend to think, you know, two or three teams kind of settle into like, well, so many people have been talking about why this team should be good. We'll put them there. Kansas is another example. It's coming off a huge win, but that was the preseason number one team. You look up now, the metrics say that's still not even a top 10 team, even though Bill self might be the best coach in the sport. Duke has done well for itself. Um, the loss at Carolina, there's no huge shame in it. Duke could win the rematch to close the regular season, Jason. Uh, but if you're looking for expectations all around, uh, Shire has done a good job. He has a first-team All-American in Kyle Filipowski, who returned this season after he could have been maybe a first-round pick a year ago. And this year, the fan base uh, is expecting Duke to get a two-three, a two-seed, a three-seed. That might well come to pass. We'll see. I, I, I'd i say right now Duke with, ends up with a three seed. That's my guess. We're talking with Matt Norlander, who does a terrific job on all things college basketball, getting some thoughts with him. UConn, number one in the country. Who's their biggest threat? Uh, they beat St. John's this weekend. We'll talk about it some more with Matt Norlander as we continue on Sports Wrap. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Sports Wrap continues on this Super Bowl week Monday. Sam Yarnell coming up from Las Vegas, an undisclosed location. We'll get to that coming up. Uh, Matt Norlander hanging out with us. CBS Sports senior college basketball insider chatting with him. You have a podcast, too. Tell, tell people the name of your podcast before I forget. Well, if you are a College Hoops fan, uh, at least three times a week, and it will be more frequent as we get into March, the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast. It's me and my co-host, Gary Parrish, and uh, 
we give you kind of a little bit of everything. It is a national podcast, but we aren't afraid to talk mid-majors, uh, talk some reporting scoops, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very fun time. Um, I highly encourage you uh, You join us. Uh, I, I absolutely love doing it, and thanks for allowing me to uh, get a little plug in there. Absolutely. Too. I don't mind it at all. Um, all right, we're both from Connecticut. Um, I remember the days of covering UConn games at, at the XL Center over there when Jim Calhoun was the head coach and barking at me when I asked him mean questions in the press conference. Mean questions. Um, this is a different UConn Huskies program now under Dan Hurley, and they're number one in the country after they lost a ton of players and won a national championship last year. How is UConn doing it? Well, one has been uh, Dan Hurley has really, and it's him and his staff, he's upgraded his offensive philosophy in a major way. Um, and the fact that they've been able to do this, I think it's the culture around the program can be a little bit of a cliche. I understand that, but you got to realize they lost Jordan Hawkins lottery pick. They lost Adama Sanogo, their best player, uh, a big factor. And then Andre Jackson, who was one of the best athletes and playmakers in all of college hoops last season, they lose three key pieces. They returned Donovan Klingon, who's a seven, two monster, but hasn't been fully healthy for most of the season, but he's back and he's playing, but he's had a foot issue that's been bothering him. And it's this buy-in culture. It's this, um, we're never going to settle. Hurley's a little bit of a maniac. He's a self-admitted a little <laughs> bit of a maniac there, uh, both what you see during the games and at practice. And you have to be of a certain mindset to play for this team. And the fact that they have so much buy-in from the staff to everyone that's involved in it uh, has contributed to them being an elite team both ways. I think that UConn has the highest ceiling of any team in the country. I did not think that was the case in the preseason. In our previous segment, I talked about how I kind of faded Duke as a, a preseason top five team, and that's kind of working out to this point. I faded UConn as a preseason top 10 team. That is not working out for me so well. But I'm in on UConn right now. If we uh, if we built a bracket tonight, I would pick them to win the national championship. That hasn't happened since Florida in 06, 07. Hurley is so impressive, and he continues to want to evolve and learn more and not be satisfied. I spoke with him after UConn's win over St. John's at the Garden over the weekend. And he said, listen, we didn't win a Big East regular season championship or, or postseason championship last year. Like, I'm so hyper-focused on getting that done. Like, the fans deserve this. Yes, the national championship's amazing. We got number five. They want to have the Big East crown. So he's chasing after both of it. And uh, the fact that they continue just to get better and better is really remarkable. They're 20-2, and two, and to me, they are clearly the best team in the country. It is kind of remarkable when you think about all these, you know, um, these blue bloods of college basketball, North Carolina, Duke, uh, Kansas. And in the case of Kansas, they've had Bill Self for a little while now. But now you look at UConn, Duke, and North Carolina, three programs that went from prolific, um, you know, high-profile uh, championship coaches and sort of went through their, you know, their metamorphosis into what they are now. It's remarkable to see there's, there's just no drop off here. No, there is, there is not absolutely not. And, and when you look at, I consider UConn to be in that blue blood class as well. Um, it would be easy to go and just kind of speak to each one of those that you mentioned real quick here. Sure. I can't separate deal altogether because you said self's been there forever. Um, uh, Hubert Davis, they had the, they had uh, bumpiness, but now Hubert Davis has an above 500 record when coaching against top 10 teams, and this is year three for him on the job. It's been incredible. Uh, Duke has maintained a lot of consistency there with Shire. There has not been a drop-off yet. They were a little uncertain to start the season, but they've kind of leveled out there. And then UConn, it's a blue blood. There's just no doubt about it. Five championships with three different coaches, and her after until last year had not won an NCAA tournament game. And then they go on one of the most dominant statistically dominant NCAA tournament struts of all time. And now you look at him and UConn is just, it is incredible to see what it's been able to do to maintain its status 
as a blue blood program. Um, and to me, I don't think it's refutable in this regard. It's not like the gods came down from the clouds a hundred years ago and said, it must be Duke and Carolina and Kansas and Kentucky and UCLA, UCLA and Indiana. Guess what? Until Bob Knight got there, Indiana wasn't a blue blood. I would argue that it's actually lost its status in that regard. Uh, Duke was not a blue blood until Mike Krzyzewski got there. So you know what? UConn, as a function of 25 years of, of real success and five titles, it's at that table. I would argue Villanova really has a case as well historically. Um, but right now, the thing that might keep them there is unlike those other ones, Villanova is in the midst of a very disappointing second season under Kyle Neptune. It didn't make the tournament last year. Obviously, shares a conference with UConn. We'll see if they can get it get together on the back half of the I, schedule. I've got a minute here. Um, okay. Matt Painter at Purdue. At Purdue, is there a coach with more pressure on him anywhere in the country, considering what happened last year in the NCAA tournament? And he has the number two ranked team in the country and one of the best players in the country in Zach Eady. Uh, no, even though there are coaches more, more job pressure and coaches will lose jobs. So painters at no risk of losing his job. I would say public perception nationally. There's nothing there's painter in general. Purdue is a program. Zach Eady, national player of the year, probably going to win it two years in a row. First year since that's happened since, uh, since Ralph Sampson of Virginia in the early eighties, Purdue needs minimally, minimally, minimally an elite eight run to get a lot of the haters off their back. Uh, final four will really shut everyone up. And I think that they are the second best team right now in the sport to UConn. Zach Eady is unlike anyone else and barring the unthinkable, he is going to be the national player of the year for a second straight season. I got 15 seconds. How big is the gap between UConn and Purdue? Very minimal. And by that, I mean, wow. if they were playing on a neutral court tomorrow, I think UConn would be favored by half a point, maybe one point. Really? That close? I think it's that. I think it's that close. Klingon's a good big, but Edie has no. There's no match for him. And Purdue's got uh, really gamey game playing guards. I like them a lot. Uh, that is the terrific Matt Norlander, CBS Sports College Basketball Senior Insider. I'm glad we got to do it again. Uh, hopefully, we get to do it before the end of the season. I always appreciate it. I know you're busy. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Matt Norlander hanging out with us uh, here during Super Bowl week. I had to get some college basketball in. We're back with some NFL news you can use. Stay with us. Hi, friends. Matt, excellent. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I'm known as the guy who can Uh, fix just about anything. But the technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Imagine for less than a cup of coffee a day, Choice Home Warranty can help protect you from expensive major system and appliance breakdowns that your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover. Call Choice Home Warranty now and get access to a nationwide network of over 15,000 technicians and the latest appointment setting technology so you'll know when they're on their way. So do what this old DIYer did and call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances and more. Call for your free quote today. Call in the next five minutes and get your first month free. 800-394-8109. That's 800-394-8109. Sports Wrap continues on this Monday, the first day of... Super Bowl week. Something to consider. I'm telling you, man, the end is near for the Golden State Warriors. Sammy Arnell is here, by the way, from an undisclosed location in Las Vegas because we don't want the books to know where he is because they will take him, stuff him into the back of a van somewhere and make sure he can't bet all week. 
Because they don't want to lose money to the Prince. Mexico, Jason. <laughs> What'd you say? I'll end up in Mexico. You will end up in Mexico. Um, something to consider. Stephen Curry scores 60 for the Warriors this weekend, and they lose to the Atlanta Hawks. But that's not what bothers me. Here's the kicker. Curry scores 60 in an overtime loss to the woeful Atlanta Hawks. And then after the game, he's handed off his jersey and taking a big old photo with Lindsay Lohan or her boyfriend or husband or whoever this guy is. Nobody really cares because it's really about Lindsay Lohan. You know the end is near for this group of Golden State Warriors. When Curry scores 60, they lose, and he's mugging it up with the Hollywood elites, as the far right in America would like to call it, with a big smile on his face. You just lost to the Hawks after you scored 60. Your efforts are being wasted with this Warriors team right now. And you're giving me a smile next to Lindsay Lohan? It's over in Golden State. Back up the truck. Pack it up. It's over when this is what you're getting out of the Warriors right now. You're exactly right, Jason. We talked about this before the NBA season got underway when you were somewhat convinced that if everything went right for Golden State, and, and you know, we don't know, right? If everything did go right for Golden State this year, maybe they would be a contender. Maybe they would be something. What we do know is that practically, practically nothing has gone right for this team this season. It's been horrible. And now it's kind of sad to watch one of the greatest shooters of all time go out like this it, it like it, do they trade him do, do we see Steph Curry I don't think we see Steph Curry in a non-warriors jersey in his career he's like he's one of those career guys he's one of the last kind of career guys I think of when I think of the NBA right he's that guy who never wanted out never was dramatic didn't play by the you know rules of the last 30 years in the NBA with where it's practically a reality TV show Steph Curry wasn't necessarily about that at any point in his career I don't think we'll see him in another uniform. And that makes it even more sad to me because it's it's kind of like watching a, a slow, painful death. Yeah, it is. I just I I do think there's a possibility he winds up somewhere else. Not this year, but before his career is done. I I, I have always said that it wouldn't shock me if he wound up uh, in Charlotte finishing his career where his where his father was such such a, such a success. But I, it just blows my mind. This picture of him smiling next to Lindsay Lohan after scoring 60 and losing tells you that he even knows it's over. It's over. Yeah. Um, Something to consider from the world of entertainment where entertainment and sports kind of meet to me. I was watching the Grammys last night, and it hit me that one of the things about sports is entertainment versus music is entertainment that I never really thought about much um, is that Entertainers that were great 50 years ago could still hop on stage 50 years later at the biggest event in music and still move you, can still bring a tear to your eye, can still make you feel something. And it's one of the unfortunate things about sports and why we have to appreciate what we have in the moment um, when we have those moments. Because outside of golf, 
Tom Watson making a run at the at the British Open, I don't know, a, a decade or so ago, 15 years ago, when he's in his 60s. Outside of those moments, um, when athletes are in their prime, you get them for 10 or 15 years total, and then it's over. If Michael Jordan goes out in All-Star Weekend for the NBA this year and chucks up um, you know, a couple of shots, it's going to look weird. It's going to look like Michael Jordan in his 50s chucking up a couple of shots or Michael Jordan at 60 or whatever he is chucking up a couple of shots. You don't get it with athletes the way you get it with entertainers. So it reminds me that we really have to appreciate what we see in a Patrick Mahomes, even a Stephen Curry um, for, for any athlete when we have it because when it's over, it's over. In music... Joni Mitchell could get on stage at 80 after suffering strokes and can barely walk, and she's keeping time with the cane in her hand, and and it's still amazing. At 80, I'm not going to want to see Stephen Curry on a basketball court. Thoughts? No, you're exactly right. I think another example that we saw, you know, last night at the Grammys, Tracy Chapman oh, hasn't performed publicly in so decades. Yeah. And came out, oh my gosh, that was yeah. just a, a different side. I know there may be a large contingent of our audience that may not be country music fans. I've been a huge fan of that song since Luke Combs. Well, since before Luke Combs remade it, but obviously it's been number one for however many weeks since Luke Combs did remake it. That is an amazing song. And that performance last night was one that I'll remember for a very, very long time. It was really cool to see that. But but you're exactly right, Jason. I think Tracy Chapman's performance is a testament to that. These these musicians, their talent is is evergreen, more so than these athletes who we know that there's a clock on every single one of them. Billy Joel got up there at 74 years old, hasn't made any original music basically in 30 years. And I'm a huge Billy Joel guy. So when he got up there and did that song last night, yeah, his voice isn't what it once was, but he could still, you know, he knew what his range was. He could still play the piano. It was terrific. In 40 years, Stephen Curry getting on the court ain't going to do anything for me. Just saying. All right, we're coming back. Odds and ends. We're going to start analyzing... Our favorite picks for Super Bowl week when it comes to player props. That and a whole bunch more on Sports Wrap. All right, again, set to wrap things up on this Monday edition of the show. Tomorrow we'll have full reaction to Roger Goodell's commissioner press conference to start Super Bowl week. But first, it's time for odds. It ends. All right, Sam Yarnell. Um, before we get to the, the player props here, and we're going to do quarterbacks today on the show, um, just a couple of things, a couple of house cleaning items from the weekend. Uh, the PGA Tours event at Pebble Beach was called after 54 holes. Uh, Wyndham Clark winds up your winner of the three-day event. And by the way, what a bummer for CBS. Yesterday on CBS, they had to air the third round of the tournament, which took place on Saturday, on Sunday. Like they aired just a complete rehash, a complete replay of three or four hours of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Like you couldn't find anything else to put on? Like I, I, anything. So that's what I had to watch on uh, on Sunday afternoon. It was really weird. A quick note on that, Jason, yeah, from yeah. a betting side. Oh, this yes. has actually become a, yeah, this has become a very 
controversial topic because everyone who had Wyndham Clark to win the mm. event had their bets refunded. Everyone who had anyone no else to win the way. event had their bets taken from them. So there were no winners given out from this tournament. Wyndham Clark bets were refunded and voided. Non-Wyndham Clark bets were all played as live action and taken. So the, it is very interesting in the world of betting right now. And I know that's just on FanDuel. Wow. Different houses have different rules. I don't know what DraftKings did. I don't know what Win did. Yeah. So on and so forth. But yeah, wild controversy. Denny Hamlin, your winner at the Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum, which they moved to Saturday. It was supposed to be on Sunday. Uh, Lots of credit to the folks at NASCAR for being able to move like hell, fire, water, all this stuff to, to push the event. People are getting blasted with rain on the West Coast. We hope everybody out there um, is staying safe. I have friends all the way up to the Bay Area, down to L.A., and it is a disaster right now for the California coastline. I'm literally 110 miles east of L.A., and we get sprinkles because we're protected by the mountains. It's like the great protector of the Coachella Valley in Palm Springs, California. We've gotten barely anything here so far. Knock on wood, it will stay that way. All right, uh, Super Bowl prop bets. We're doing it by position, and we're starting at the quarterback position. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy. Sam Yarnell, the Prince of Picks, what do you got? Jason, I don't want to touch either of these players' pa- uh, passing yards props okay. right now. Um, I was worried you I'm were going to just turn off these quarterbacks. I was worried you were about to turn this segment into like a 30 second segment there. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're attacking, but this actually may run long. We're attacking both of these quarterbacks from different angles. First of all, we'll go to Brock Purdy and my probably favorite bet out of all the quarterbacks, and it's even money, so get in while you can. Uh, Brock Purdy under one and a half passing touchdowns. I I really think that they're going to run the ball into the end zone in this game. If you look at, first of all, the Chiefs games that they've played so far in the playoffs, their defense holds other teams to very few points. We know this. How do the 49ers get into the end zone in games that are generally moving slow at any point? They hand the ball to Debo inside the 10. He gets it down to the two and they give it to McCaffrey and he runs it right in. I love Mc- I love Purdy to throw a touchdown in this game. I don't think I like him to throw two. At plus money, it's hard to pass up Brock Purdy under one and a half passing touchdowns. The other angle I like in this game. Brock Purdy over 12 and a half rushing yards. I think that the Chiefs defensive line is going to force him to scramble at least three times. And I think he picks up probably five yards on each one of those scrambles. What's his, just yardage? Because What's his rushing yardage total again? 12 and a half. Oh, with our over friends all at the day. Overall That's day. That's what I'm saying. Over, way yes, over. We're, we're milking the over. Yes. Hey, I'm loving these two bets, Jason. These bets feel like free money. Brock Purdy is going to run for at least 15 yards in this yeah, game. Yeah, I like the Purdy bet. I'm not crazy about Mahomes. Because the dude that I... I uh, no, I, no, no, no. They were both Purdy. They were both Purdy. Oh, you said you said Purdy under one and a half. I thought you said Correct. Mahomes. But Correct. what about Mahomes, Mahomes' touchdown passes? No, not touching. Okay, Mahomes. see, I thought no, you said Mahomes not under one on and a half. Patrick Mahomes. In my the bad, my bad. I thought no. you said Mahomes under one and a half. Maybe um, I did. If I did, yeah. I apologize. Yeah, I, I meant Brock Purdy the whole time. Okay, uh, that's fine. Uh, and by the way, we could do uh, Patrick Mahomes senior under one and a half years in prison for his third DUI. We could also um, we could throw that one in. Not a bet. No, no, it should be three DUIs. Three that's offshore. Three that's offshore. Three DUIs. I, it just blows my mind. Three. 
Put the bre- attach the breathalyzer to the thing. Yeah, they have those things where they put the breathalyzer and they attach it to the car and you can't go anywhere unless you blow in it. I mean, I guess you could have somebody else blow in it conceivably. We got to do something for Patrick Mahomes Sr. And, and it's interesting to see what kind of a distraction that is this week. Although you had Patrick Mahomes' brother basically under suspicion for sexual assault at one point this year, and it didn't seem to bother Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I highly doubt this will either. Um, Daddy Mahomes, former Major League pitcher Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, it's not, not a good situation for him. Uh, all right, I like those. I like, I, I like the Purdy bets. I like the Purdy bets because I I don't think uh, I don't think San Francisco is going to score a whole heck of a lot. Uh, I do like Mahomes over one and a half touchdowns though. I do have to say I kind of I kind of like that. Sure. Bet. Yeah, I can I can go with that, and I wouldn't be shocked if it was over one and a half, and they were both to to Travis Kelsey in this game. Travis Kelsey, who by the way should be in a very good mood. His girlfriend Taylor Swift, two Grammys last night. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. It's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, Sammy Arnell, have fun there in Vegas. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, which takes absolutely nothing off the table. We're back with you on Tuesday for more of Sports Wrap. We'll see you then.